This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you with no additional commercial interruption because, hey, we just wrapped up our big fundraiser. Man, I can't talk tonight, Bert. (laughs) (laughs) Our fundraiser drive and the Sparkle Troll t-shirts are starting to hit mailboxes. I still don't have mine yet. I know you don't have yours yet either, Bert. Yeah, I know the delivery says coming on Tuesday. Yep, yep, but they they are making their way out there, and lots of friends of the show and folks in the hobby are taking pictures and tweeting at NerdCognito to show off their new digs and... They look all right. I'm, 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 I'm excited, and I can't wait till, till my shirt comes in. But folks are also asking, hey, can I still get a shirt? And you can. They're $2 more expensive because, obviously, the batch printing for the big run was the cheapest way to go for the slightly overpriced Nerd Cognito t-shirt. Uh, but you can still get them at the same exact link that we were pimping out over the last few weeks. So if you saw one on the Twitter machine and you said, you know what? That would look really cool at my table. Uh, Definitely give it a shot. But we, again, want to take a minute to thank everybody who bought a shirt. You certainly, certainly helped. Uh, Like I said, the the bills are squared away through almost the end of the year for the podcast. So thank you. Humbly, we thank you. Other than that, I, I guess it's time to get started. So now, on with the show. Nerd Cognito. Hey, 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 it's another week, and another episode of Nerd Cognito is coming at you. My name is Ryan David. Glad to be talking with you this week. I'm joined as always by Bert. Hello, Bert. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Ah, it's it's not going bad. I've got zero complaints for once, right? We'll we'll, we'll complain when the show starts. <laughs> Wait till you hear our opening topic. But uh, I don't know. It's like uh, today has just been an eternal drag, man. I've been tired since I woke up and can't shake it. You know, it's a gray day here in our neck of the woods, and I think that that just trickled down through the whole day. Uh, how are you hanging in there? Uh, I'm feeling the same. You know, I don't know if it's the weather or what. I was pretty active yesterday, and today when I woke up, I was just wiped out. Didn't want to do much of anything. Yeah, it makes zero sense. Zero sense. I was uh, reading through some uh, source material just because, you know, there's nothing more fun than going back and picking up the original AD&D monster manual and taking it for a ride. And I did <laughs> I did that this, this afternoon. And uh, uh, beautiful, well-thought-out simplicity, my friend. (laughs) Um, This week, we have some interesting topics. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, we thought we were out of the woods with boneheaded Wizards of the Coast stuff, and (laughs) (laughs) dun-dun-dun! Wizard strikes again. We're going to talk about that on the front end of the news. Let me ask you, though, do you have your smoke wagon handy? Because we're going to be taking a trip back in time to, like, the 1890s, Bert. Okay. Well, for, for anyone that's been living under a rock since our last episode, you know that Wizards of the Coast had, well, a little distribution failure with one of their distribution partners. 
a fan ordered some magic cards, right? Pretty pretty standard day in the life of the average magic player. They they ordered a couple packs of cards. And uh, they were shipped, well, some cards that were not yet released. And Wizard Solution, instead of, you know, reaching out to the fan or just accepting that sometimes these things happen, well, their solution was to call the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Wow, okay. And send the Pinkertons not only knocking on his front door, but on the front door of everyone in his neighborhood so <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a little bit about more, that and give you some more details about that uh we have the news of course um you're going to be interested in our opening news story bert um, oh i will you you will you'll be you'll be very excited um and after the news this week we did get to the table something that i pitched to you last week which was the quiet year so last week I tried to sell you on it. In between, the Nerd Cognito Gaming Group actually played it, and we are going to run it down and review it on the back half of the show. And spoiler alert, I thought it was a great time. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about that on the back half of the show. But uh, yeah, Pinkerton's Bert. Wow, yeah, that, uh, that name goes back... Quite a ways. I and know. Is, uh, you know what one of my favorite shows was? I, I really enjoyed Deadwood, right? Okay. Uh, Ian McShane, you know, he's one of my personal faves of all time. Um, as the the grandiose cocksucker-throwing Al Swearingen in the Dakota town of Deadwood. Uh, there were some Pinkertons in that show. But it was also set in the 1890s. <laughs> Right. I mean, Pinkerton's a name you know, but it's not a company that you hear about very often anymore. Mostly it's like historical context and things like that. And it's not exactly a name that, well, has a very good reputation for being, you know, peacemakers, right? I, I don't think peaceful solutions, <laughs> when I hear Pinkerton, I think no, no, strike breakers, mercenaries, hired goons. <laughs> I mean, they're they're effective, but it's not definitely not a warm and fuzzy solution to your problem. It is not. It is not. Um, I mean, that's like swatting somebody. Yeah, effectively, Wizards corporately swatted this poor YouTuber. Uh, his name's Dan Cannon. Uh, he he goes by the moniker of Old School MTG uh, on on the YouTube thing. Ordered up some. Wizards of the Coast produced Magic the Gathering cards, right? Right. And much to his surprise, he received some March of the Machine, the Aftermath stuff, which is yet to be released. Right. So, I mean, it was an accident. It wasn't like corporate espionage or he paid some insider to get them. No, he legitimately ordered these cards through a honest channel paid for them and within a week according to canon pinkerton agents were knocking on his door demanding he turn over all of the cards from the unreleased set and more and more including shoving ndas in his face and when he didn't initially answer the door uh they went around to the neighbor's houses <clears throat> do, do you know this dan guy yeah, we're looking for him because 
he's got some illegal products in his house. Oof. Not a good look, wizards. Uh, do they even care at this point anymore, Bert? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, to treat your... I mean, Guy had got the things by mistake. It was an honest mistake. He was obviously super excited about it because it hasn't even been released yet. And those magic guys, some of them are pretty rabid about new stuff. And uh, to treat your fan base that way is kind of a bad look for a company. Especially when, and by no stretch of the imagination, is this company any less ruthless or corporate. But Disney is now knee-deep in their Lorcana card game, which is directly targeting Magic the Gathering. Uh, why would you... Why would you do this? I, I I can't fathom a good reason. Yeah, it was on YouTube. And guess what? Wizards, it's already up on YouTube. He unboxed them. People saw them. The damage is done. You have to look at your distribution channel and find out how and why this happened there. You don't beat down some nerd, uh, I guess, beat down isn't the right word. You don't beat down his door, right? <laughs> and right. even then, you don't do it using mercenaries. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy got them legitimately, so I don't know what legal channels they had. So, I mean, if they're going to make a show of force, they have to go some I'm crazy sure route. that they could go um, through a civil route for some sort of intellectual property violation if they really wanted to make his life hell. Right. But it would be a really big struggle and it would be some bad PR. So someone said, you know, you know what will be better PR than just suing this guy? Let's send the pinks out to him. <laughs> and I mean, and, and so they did. Right. I mean, it reads like, I mean, it, it reads like, uh, I don't know, like cyberpunk fiction, you know, the corporation sent soldiers to my house, you know, like, uh, let me, let me read you some statements that elaborated on the original videos that came out to clarify the situation. Uh, Cannon said, quote, as soon as my wife answered the door, they aggressively asked for me by full name, announced themselves as the Pinkerton agency which I'm very familiar with their reputation, like who isn't, right? Right, And said sure. that they were here to recover stolen goods. After his wife asked them to wait outside, Cannon claims that they, quote, forced themselves partially through the door and prevented her from closing the door all the way. <sighs> now, Bert, if this were my home and someone were partially in the door of the house after being asked to wait outside, there would be a very different ending to this story. Right. And I think that they are very lucky that they did not have someone who was willing to defend their property rights. I continue. <laughs> wow. They eventually did dial it back and become more civil after that. Um Cannon arrived and assertively moved everyone outside, according to his statements. Um, at some point, Cannon alleges the treatment by the agents was so obtuse that his wife was reduced to tears. Um, Wizards of the Coast strongly refutes, this is their words, this depiction of events, which contradicts the report from the investigation, 
The company claims that, quote, under no circumstances would we instruct any employee or contacted agency to intimidate an individual. Bullshit. Mm. You don't hire Pinkertons if you're not looking for intimidation. Yeah. The the problem that I have with that is, you know, unless there's video footage, I mean, a company that is doing a job for you is always going to try to make themselves look like they did everything the best that they could. So they're they're going to put spin everything in a positive light. And if you're talking to a representative from a company who just sent Pinkertons to your house, are you going to be anything but like respectful? Cannon continued to elaborate in his story, saying that the Pinkertons claimed that copyright infringement had taken place and he could face between one and ten years in jail and threatened that the incident could result in up to $200,000 in fines plus all legal fees. Again, bullshit, says this law school dropout. Uh, Wizards better look out. Because I mean, copyright infringement indicate like he wasn't producing the cards; he purchased them. He purchased them, and he was not under a sales agreement or an NDA. He purchased right. the cards; they were shipped to his house, and he put them on YouTube. So that's a hard, hard sell. Um, it was it was interesting. Cannon uploaded a video and uh, shows the Pinkerton agents door knocking at the homes of his neighbor and uh, trying to find his whereabouts there. According to Cannon, the agent said they, quote, didn't want to call me before showing up because they didn't want me to have time to react and get rid of the cards. Well, that would be a a logical resolution, right? Someone calls you and says, hey, you got these cards that you're not supposed to have. You need to destroy them or keep them under wraps until they release. We'll replace your order with what you supposedly did. And if you don't do that, then we're going to go to the next step. Now, they just went from zero all the way to fucking 11, Bert. Yeah, I mean, you went from zero to like 1895. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wizard still has not made a public statement denouncing their actions. They've only specifically released targeted statements refuting direct comments from Canon, at least as of this recording, right? So, I I don't know. Are they going to? We're still waiting for a public statement for all the racist crap that came out of Kyle's mouth, and that didn't come. So, (laughs) uh, according to Canon, a simple email or phone call from Wizards of the Coast, and I would have cooperated. There was absolutely no need to send such a notorious agency to my house to frighten my wife and threaten us. Dude needs to lawyer up, period. I think he's looking at a very substantial settlement and a precedent-setting smack on the dick for Wizards of the Coast, which I would love to see right now. He's a hobbyist, too. It's not like this guy is a YouTuber by trade, right? Right, right. So. <laughs> Be like if Wizards of the Coast, you know, broke down your door for our commentary on, you know, the OGL. Uh, well, I, I invite the Pinkertons to attempt to force their way into my home. And I I'm, I have to leave it at that because um, I am a very staunch believer 
in homeowners' rights. And, you know, it, it's it's bizarre. If someone's knocking on my door and asking for something that is my personal property, my answer is, fuck you. And if it's a cop that's knocking on the door, my answer is, can I see your warrant? And if there's no warrant, then it's, fuck you. Are people just unaware of what they can and cannot do in these situations? Are we as a society so dulled into submission by Big Brother or Big Wizards or Big Pink, as as the case may be? I can't fathom you allowing that to happen at your door, and you're certainly on a different end of the spectrum than me when it comes to our beliefs about personal property rights, right? Right. I mean, police officer knocks on my door. I'm going to have a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, can I help you? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, try to force your way into my house. That's, you know, that's another matter entirely. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not a good look as far as the Pinkertons are concerned. I mean, you know, you haven't heard about them in a long time and they you know they kind of <laughs> history they kinda class low, birds <laughs> they they, they kind of keep a low profile so you know for the, now they're in the spotlight wizards is in the spotlight like who is this you know action benefiting to get back you know what one the, the guy how much could the guy have ordered what one box of cards two yeah we're thinking it's in the ballpark of one to two boxes right so you're talking about what a few hundred dollars worth of merchandise and, you know, a huge PR fiasco for both the Pinkertons and Wizards. Right. Well, Wizards does have connections to the Pinkertons because, of course, our end of the hobby has done some homework. And a lot, including the top dog in Wizards security, are former Pinkerton agents. Uh, so it's just, you know, one hand greasing the other in this case. And friends doing friend stuff only again it's 1890s style why is hasbro letting this continue to happen that's the bigger question is wizards the useful idiot you know i used to think kyle was the useful idiot for wizards is wizards just the useful idiot for hasbro does hasbro uh-huh. want to ditch the property but know that it sticker price is too expensive right now so they need to bang it down into a reasonable purchase area Right. I mean, there's only two reasons that I can think of that, you know, that somebody from corporate wouldn't step in on things like this would be either they're trying to devalue the property to offload it or they're using it, you know, as a, you know, they're using it to draw attention to wizards to keep attention off of Hasbro for something. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, what could Hasbro be doing that's more nefarious? I mean, the new Ghostbusters toys are going to be arriving late. <laughs> I mean, I do, I don't know. I have I, no idea. Like it's kind of insane. I've gone round and round and round, and this was pre-Pinkerton, right? And said, why on earth has someone not laid the smack down yet from a corporate perspective? And the only conclusion that I can come to is that they are banging the price tag down on Wizards of the Coast. I I, I honestly don't even have a contender of an idea that comes close because it makes zero sense. Uh, 
I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It is bizarre. Uh, our friends opposite us in the hobby, you know the ones I'm talking about. Right. They are equally in an uproar, which is good, right? Because this is kind of nefarious, right? This isn't just a bunch of old grognards in the OSR rattling sabers. This is some bullshit that was pulled. Right. I mean, this is shady. Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But I don't know if they have the testicular fortitude to see it through the end quite like our part of the hobby does. Because so far, when they have realized that this fish does no longer smell fresh, as soon as something else triggers their attention, it's forgotten. It's like they have the memory of goldfish. OGL, everybody was pissed. And then, oh, no, no, no. Wizards gave you everything you asked for. You know, it, it's coming out. You, the OGL is staying in place. New stuff's coming, Creative Commons. There's no reason to have angst and not look at their products, right? Uh, we're going to put in sensitivity readers. Well, that's a good thing. Well, I, I get where they're coming from on that one. It, that would be a good thing in their twisted brains. Removal of lore. Well, was the lore problematic? Uh, at some point, there's going to be an event that's going to have that end lose faith in wizards, too. And maybe that's that's sort of, you know, going back to my conspiracy theory, what Hasbro is waiting for. Um, let's face it. The, the way that you can offload a property is to remove its base. And I think it's safe to say that me and my ilk have already been removed as the base, right? I, I do not plan on buying Wizards products, right? I mean, the problem with driving it down, driving the price down this way, though, is, you know, if you were a company, would you touch Wizards with a 10-foot pole right now? No, but the IP has value. There's not a doubt. The name alone, Dungeons & Dragons, slap it on any fantasy game. That has intrinsic value. And they have this film now that did not set the world on fire, but it didn't lose them a crap ton of money, right? They have Magic the Gathering. They have printing and distribution channels that are well established for decades in place so from a business perspective there's a lot of value and you have to sort of cast this shadow on the practice to bang down that inherent value i don't know uh, it is it is a conspiracy theory and i'm the first to admit that but i can't come up with a better explanation and, hey, I uh, got a question for you. How do you scratch your head under that tinfoil hat? Oh, it's very comfortable. Uh, the, the, I have I have strategic holes poked in it so that it can breathe. You know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got nothing, but it's it's certainly a interesting situation because it did go beyond us too. So maybe Hasbro's getting their wish because this hit the mainstream news as well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about it, really, Bird. Right, no, there's not. Uh, it is what it is. They did what they did with no remorse and no looking back. And 
I can't even say that I'm surprised when I read the story when it first broke. When you read a headline like, Pinkertons bang down the door of a Magic the Gathering player, in other dimensions, in other timelines of our multiverse, that sounds so ridiculous. But right. to us, we're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see Wizards doing that. So transitioning to some better things in the news right <laughs> hey the news is better than our opening segment bert all right what's in the news this uh, week well, mr terraforming mars uh yes you know that there is the television studio cobalt night that is currently working on the series adaptation of terraforming mars in addition to producing the terraforming mars tv show they made an interesting statement that should also have Wizard slash Hasbro shaken in their shoes, that they would love to make a television adaptation of Gloomhaven. Oh, really? Okay. So we know Terraforming Mars is coming, hopefully. You know, it's it's still in the stages where the bottom can fall out, but the rights are secured. Right. And uh, co-founder of the studio says, quote, it's tough because Terraforming Mars was in our top three. They're talking about IPs, right? But I would love Gloomhaven. That would be amazing. This is from Chris Kaminsky, uh, the co-founder of Cobalt Knight. I can't say one way or the other whether that possibly could happen. It feels like it could maybe within the realm of the possibility, but I think Gloomhaven would be the number one pick on my list at this moment. I don't know. I mean, either way, you know, there's a ton of potential there. I mean, from what I've read about, and I have heard about the series, I've been reading about some of the stuff. They're describing it as like the Martian meets the Expanse. Right, right. It's it, it, And all the preliminary stuff about the Terraforming Mars show so far, again, it's it's like any other show in, in this point of production. It, it can go either way. Right. The Martian meets the Expanse. Well, okay. Uh, are we talking season two Expanse where it peaked? Or are we talking the final season of the Expanse, which I can't remember what happened? So <laughs> there is uh, that. It, it, it could go either way. And I know you love the board game property, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the TV show is going nope. to be any good. Rings of Power, I'm looking at you. So, right, right. Uh, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Battleship the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Battleship the movie, Pacific Rim. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that sounded like really good ideas and, and didn't work. But we'll see. Um, besides Terraforming Mars, Cobalt Knight has also acquired the rights to adapt other tabletop titles, uh, Anachrony and Tricarion, as well as Terra Mystica. Uh, Interesting. So they're probably scooping up these things that are never going to be produced just in case. But uh, Tricarion, board game that I have wanted to play since it came out, and I just never have picked it up and never got an opportunity to play it. So what would the dueling magicians <laughs> television show look like, let alone the Dueling Magicians board game, which is supposed to be superb. It's just one that fell through the cracks on me. Uh, regardless, I think Gloomhaven is is probably 
a safe bet for him to say that it would be great to get the IP because it's got a very fleshed out setting and a lot of lore and you've got Gloomhaven, Frosthaven and Founders of Gloomhaven, which was the stinker. But Mm. Founders still produced a lot of content that you could draw from for a series. Um, I don't know. We we should pull out Founders again and, and give it another go. Yeah, I'm, I, you you mean I should bring my copy of Terraforming Mars to the no. table? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not a fan. I I don't dislike Terraforming Mars, but honestly, the digital adaptation is so good. If I'm going to play Terraforming Mars, why would I not just play that? that that's sort of where I'm at on, on that one. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, we'll see, of course, as more information comes out with the Terraforming Mars television show. We'll be talking about it here because you are Mr. Terraforming Mars. And um, we'll see if Gloomhaven sees the light of day. Uh, Glo- yeah, I'm kind, kind of cautiously optimistic. I'm at least looking that direction. See, you know, see how it goes. Yeah. Next up in the news is the Nerd Cognito We Told You So moment of the week. Uh, I'll just read you the headline. Uh, after I set this up. Remember back when the OGL kerfuffle happened and one of the first people to jump on was Cobalt Press, right? We're gonna, right, absolutely. We're, we're going to produce this game. It's going to be OGL free. It's going to be departed from Dungeons & Dragons. We're going to lead the charge. Here's the headline. Cobalt Press vows to keep D&D 5e alive with Project Black Flag. I told you so. It was just very good timing and very good marketing. I I acknowledge and tip my hat to them because timing was perfect for them. They got enough buzz, but it wasn't going to be anything different. It's the same people doing the same damage to the hobby, just under a different banner. They used the OGL as a way to propel their brand name beyond, at least for a moment, Dungeons and Dragons. So, uh, it's again, I, I want to be, or I would love to say that I'm surprised to hear this, but I'm not. I'm not. Right. I mean, it's, I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, people came out strongly against the, uh, OGL dust up and then they kind of backed off and that's yeah they fell right back in line like good little cucks I mean if you're going to take a position then you kind of got to stick to it right well I think so but again what happened did you hear that I did I killed a sparkle troll (laughs) let's try it There, there. They were busy counting their glittery dice. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't get it all out. Uh, <laughs> maybe they had their furry hood on. I, I can stop anytime now. Uh, next, next up, um, Indiana Jones Five, right? Oh yes, of course, because that's what we need. Right, and we've talked about Harrison needing to hang it up, whether it be the vest for Han. Or the whip for Indy. 
um, someone finally got in his ear. Harrison Ford, quote, will not be involved in Indiana Jones television series. And Dial of Destiny is the, quote, last time I'll play the character from his lips. Hmm. So hopefully that's true because Han was not a good look. The production photos of, uh, I want to say present day, but old indie, right? Do not look good. I know that they've digitally de-aged him in a lot of the scenes to to throw it back. But uh, it's time to let it go, my man. And I think he finally realized it. Here's the full quote. This is the final film in the series, and this is the last time I'll play the character. I anticipate that it will be the last time he appears in a film, period. So maybe he realizes it. Maybe he actually wants to fucking retire, because God knows I would at that age. Right. I mean, you know, with the number of, you know, I mean, I don't know what his net worth is, but surely he can afford to retire. I am more than certain that he can afford to retire. Uh, He got a crap ton of money for the sequel series in the Star Wars movies, you know, when they killed him off. And uh, maybe, maybe Indy finally meets with an untimely end because honestly it is a beloved character and nobody wants that but what better way to go for indiana jones man right right i mean it's uh i mean he's a character you know all of his movies have been high risk high reward sometimes those risks just don't pan out especially when you're an octogenarian last but not least in the news this week you you want something more pleasant something more pastel and lighthearted there's a new board game coming from the creators of the binding of isaac card game oh my (laughs) it's the hello kitty board game (laughs) wait what (laughs) uh i didn't stutter um how does binding of isaac and hello kitty meet well it's the creators of the binding of isaac card game right not not the right the base creators of, of Binding of Isaac, but um, yeah, the pop culture icon and cartoon cat is headed for a new tabletop board game, or at least they've been optioned to do so, right? Um, there's very little information about how the game will actually play or what it will include, but preliminary stuff that is out just says it's light and breezy, just like you would expect from a Hello Kitty board game. It'll play in half an hour-ish with two to four people, and it'll be age-appropriate for kids eight and up. There is teaser artwork available for it, and it shows Hello Kitty sitting on a bench with a cupcake next to a singing bird and a smiling sun. (laughs) So... Unlike Binding of Isaac, I don't think you're going to have to, you know, crawl into your mother's womb and murder her from the inside. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are two drastically different. <laughs> okay. So there's a Hello Kitty game coming. I mean, that's sunshine and rainbows, right? Right. Uh, not my, uh, not my first choice for uh, Saturday night. But hey. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Roberta Taylor is designing the game. And she's known for lighter games that are more family-friendly, right? Um, 
Creature Comfort and Octopus Garden are, are the two that come to my mind. Right. But it's interesting because is is Hello Kitty like hip now? Is it is it still a thing? I don't know. I mean, I remember it was popular at one point in time, hugely popular. We saw the saw Hello Kitty everywhere, but I haven't uh, I haven't heard that name in a while. So, so let me give you a confession. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, back in the eighties, when I was a youngin going to grade school, I had. The Metal Pac-Man lunchbox. Yeah, that one. You know the one. Everybody knows the one I'm talking about, if you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, that's because you're too young. Right, the one with the thermos and the... Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. When, uh, when I decided I wanted a new lunchbox, they were starting to make that transition from the metal lunchboxes to the plastic lunchboxes. Right. And I was so excited because my plastic lunchbox was a... Pink Hello Kitty lunchbox. Really? <laughs> Swear to God, it was. Uh, I really liked Hello Kitty. There's nothing. Hey, people like what they like. I'm not one to you know shame anybody for that. I just wouldn't have expected you to have a Hello Kitty lunchbox. I, I had the Hello Kitty lunchbox in grade school uh, for for a period of time, right? Uh, I, then I, I did go back to the aging and beat up Pac-Man metal lunchbox before bringing your lunch became passe and I, I just, you know, got whatever. So um, I guess it became passe when, when I left public school and went to private school because they had the whole dining experience there right. and, and nobody brought a lunch, so... Uh, plus, those snooty magooties would have destroyed me if I would have brought a Hello Kitty lunchbox. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I brown bagged it all through high school. Cafeteria food at my school was pretty uh, pretty off. So now I I can't complain. The food quality was was good. So uh, that, my friends, the news. Hello Kitty card game wrapped us up. Ah, uh, interesting. I saw, and I don't know if you've seen any of this. Have you seen any of the articles or any of the promo pictures that they're releasing for the Dune sequel? I have. Um, I've seen some of the promo shots, right? I haven't really right. read it because, A, I still haven't seen the the Dune remake. and people Oh, you've are... got to see that. It's me, uh, of course, me with you and this is like you with me and Picard. Uh, you know? Right, right. Like you you, really you are my Dune, Dune source material. If I have a question about Dune, I just ask Bert. Did you, uh, so did you see, and I, I don't know if you saw this or not, and I don't know if you care, but they released the promos of Fade. Do you remember who Fade was? In the, da in the David Lynch movie, he was the member of Har the House Harkonnen that was played by Sting. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody remembers, you know, the metallic speedo and the knife fight and, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, uh, the release though, they made fade beautiful, lovely fade is now a terrifying, you know, vicious bald, uh, man played by, uh, Austin Butler. I I'm okay with that. Right. If you look now, uh, and again, I'm not looking at the David Lynch thing because right. For as bad as it was, it had its moments that were as good, sure. you know. Uh, I, I'm, right. I'm thinking about, and again, my Dune knowledge is limited 
to the first three quarters of the first book, right? Right, right. The rest, I, I, I did finish the book, but I don't remember. And I certainly didn't get into all of the, what, 35,000 sequels <laughs> that, that were there. Um, there were a lot. There was a lot of source material. You had to there really was. love Dune. And I think that were I to revisit it then with the knowledge that I have now, I would appreciate it. But reading them now is also not an option because I don't have that kind of patience or attention span anymore. <laughs> right. I just thought it was interesting to see how this new director, like David Lynch, you know, at the time did what he could, you know, with the film, I think. And I think that it, it's always going to have a, you know, a nostalgia factor for me. But this new director's vision of how Sarkonin and the characters and things like that really brings sort of a darker element that I think fits better with the book well i will have to torture the boss and make her watch the new dune movie did you hear that we're watching dune well whoever left trash on the floor like snapple containers can start <laughs> cleaning my house for me <laughs> wasn't me who are not watching dune i think that was uh douglas <laughs> i'll take care of it so we'll we'll, we'll try to watch this new dune film and I, it's I'm excited because as a sci-fi nerd, mm -hmm. you have to be excited that Dune's getting a treatment. Right. But it's hard for me to get excited over Dune just personally, right? So Right. I mean, I do like the board game, so for 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 what it's worth. Uh, yeah, a great board game. I would definitely play it again. No, I uh, I saw a couple of photos. I saw, um, what's her name? I had a photo. Florence Pugh. Yes, I saw the the picture of Florence Pugh, who I also generally don't like as an actress. But we'll we'll see. <laughs> like the deck stacked against it. It's got old ass Christopher Walken, and you love Walken, but he's getting into the territory that we talked about with Harrison Ford. Oh, I don't know about that. You just, I mean, because Christopher Walken can play different roles. Like Harrison Ford has always been in that action sort of role. Like you you don't think of him from dramas or comedies. You think of him in serious action roles. And at some point you age out of those. But well, with Walken. What was, what was the Anne Heche Harrison Ford romantic comedy in the 90s? Wow. Okay. You're <laughs> throwing me way back. Uh, I don't think. know. I'm going to look it up. Six Days, Seven Nights? There you something go. Something like that? Yep, Six Days, Seven Nights. I remember yeah, it was, was okay. It wasn't, you know, get off my plane. Right, right. So, uh, but that's not the first Harrison Ford movie you think of when you think of Harrison Ford. No. Whereas with Christopher Walken, he's been in so many roles, like, he, you know, and he plays crazy so well that you're like, well, you can be old and crazy. He does. Old action stars are a problem. Old crazy people are kind of like believable, right? So there's a couple of things that I remember, like we say with Harrison Ford, you remember Han, you remember Indy, right? You remember right. the president. Air Force One, yeah. Uh, with Christopher Walken, I almost exclusively always go to... 
his character from Suicide Kings, which is a movie that most people probably don't even <laughs> oh, know hey. exists. It's a great movie, but it's it's my go-to because it 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 that character in his portrayal of of that character was so pigeonholed as the gangster, right? Right. But it had such breadth because there was comedy, there was some dark dramedy drama, right? Um, it, it just, it, it had a lot of range for such a stereotyped character. So when I think of Christopher Walken, I think of the movie that nobody knows of. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's a, and that's kind of an obscure pick, but everybody's got sort of a favorite. I, uh, I instantly throw back to the iconic scene from Pulp Fiction. Uh, sometimes I think back to the deer hunter. Which, uh, Deer was Hunter is a, a great movie. Yeah, and it's him in a more serious dramatic role. Too, it's him so in that's... a more serious, crazy dramatic role. Right, exactly. I mean, he was still batshit crazy in The Deer Hunter. He was, but in a different way than he is in, you know, most of his other films. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I thought for sure that your, uh, your throwback would be... Uh, Batman Returns, considering how much you talk about that movie. I like Batman Returns, but that's not my quintessential Christopher Walken. I mean, he's... he's All right. <laughs> Last week, we talked about possibly bringing a new game to the Nerd Cognito table. Right. And I sort of forced it down your throats, because the day we were gaming, I said, all right, we're playing this. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to buy it, here's the link. Go buy it. You don't have to buy it, but um, one copy will do us, and it did. It was fine. Um, right. A, a couple couple folks bought it. I think Dan bought it, and I think Mikey Jr. bought it. So, um, But certainly you didn't need more than one copy of that game unless you're going to run it. Like if you were going to run it for a group of yours, I would right. say you probably want to buy it. So I forced you guys, and you came in, and I already had shit set up, ready to go. Right. Uh, You didn't have a choice on this one. And I'm really glad that you didn't have a choice, because it was a refreshing, fun little game that had great role-playing and good mechanics that were outside of the box. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, especially with the diverse, like, personalities that we have at the table. Because when each person takes over a week, they change things dramatically. So, if you didn't listen last week, here's the short version of what a quiet, or the quiet year is. Quiet year is a post-apocalyptic, city-building, map-drawing, tabletop role-playing game. Yeah, that's a mouthful. And it all works beautifully. Um, I'm going to try to sell T-shirted and Grim and playing it on stream. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway. Um, be interesting how you do the map mechanic on stream. Uh, I'm going to use a digital whiteboard. I've already... I've, I like this game. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, anyway. The game plays in about... Uh, well, I, I guess if if you want to say like estimated time, it's two to four hours. 
I think it is probably two hours for two players, and then you add an hour per player, roughly. But you're going to fall short, right? We had. Right. I mean, it didn't take us a full four hours, and we had four players. We were we were right around the three hour mark. Right. So, so maybe forty five minutes a player. I think that's a, a safe assumption. And it's really, really driven by the table. Now, here's the caveat that I got to put out there: if you have a role playing group that's going through and effectively playing a video game only tabletop mode, they're not going to like this game. But if you have a true role-playing group that enjoys development and story and interaction with each other, they are going to love this game because the game plays over roughly 52 turns. Now, that's cut short at the end because you don't know where the last turn's going to fall. So it could be 40 to 52 turns. And each turn is short little bursts where... You do something, and you draw it on the map. The short burst. So first, there's an event that you can buy their custom, really pretty cards that has the event text on it, or you can use a standard deck of cards, and they have a decoder table for you, and you resolve your event. Then, when it's your turn, you do something, and that something gets represented both through your words and through you drawing it on the map. So you're literally building a map of this post-apocalyptic community that you're trying to get to survive. <laughs> and then you, you, you pass it on, and everybody builds based on the lore that's established then, there, and now at the table. Am I missing anything, Bert? Um, uh, the discussion mechanic. One of the things that you can do is instead of adding something to the map, you can have a discussion about the situation that's come up, but it doesn't resolve. Everyone gets to speak their piece and then it just ends with no resolution or decision-making. Everyone just says, you know, everyone just answers to that event. Right. And, And that's really good too, because it seeds future stuff that you're going to put on the board. It's incredibly open-ended. There's no starter there's no context. Your group creates that context. So when the game opens, we were sitting around, and the first thing you do is everybody within two or three sentences has to agree on this is where our little community is going to be. And our group said, well, we're going to be in an abandoned amusement park. Right. right? And so everybody agrees to that. And then each person takes a turn adding a feature, a landscape feature to the map. So we sketch out the rough area of the amusement park. And by sketch out, I mean blob on paper, right? Right. It ain't pretty. And, And then everybody draws something. Someone drew a lake. Someone drew a mysterious hole in the ground. Someone drew a road. Right, a road, like the parking area, right. that kind of thing, yeah. Someone drew, like, a, a little uh, one-stoplight town that was on the edge of the map, and that's it. And then you go from there, and in turn, piece by piece, bit by bit, you tell story and develop this map that plays out your community's survival or downfall and ultimately at the end of the game the game just ends 
because there is a cataclysmic end to the game that is intentionally left vague, and your group gets to decide how it all went wrong. So it's kind of Ten Candles-ish in that y'all gonna die, right? But the experience in getting there is really the glorious point. I, I have absolutely nothing but great things. I thought it was a really fun time and a really good experience for a game that's a decade old and I didn't even know it existed until three weeks ago. Right, and I think that, you know, the the, uh, the only problem that you're going to have is everybody decides unilaterally in a diverse table, you're going to have, people are going to make decisions that you won't like, you're going to make decisions that they won't like. But there's a mechanic and, to cover that, right? There's the contempt tokens. Right. If Bert did something that I found egregious, I don't have to like it, but I put a token out in front of me to show the the discontent in the group. Um, And then there are events that can be swayed based on the amount of contempt that's out. We had a reasonably agreeable group that, that was, you know... There was a couple of contempt tokens here and there, but we didn't have anyone that was, you know, just going to butt heads with with everyone else because you're not actually no. playing a character. You're right. you're representing the community or a p or a segment of the community. Right. Every once in a while, you, there are named characters based on what your group does in the storytelling, and they could do things, but you don't necessarily play a character. So, I, I distinctly remember. One turn, I had one of our named characters do something that I would not want her to do. And then the next turn, I, in my turn, I had the community do something that was reactionary and almost completely opposite of what just happened. So uh, it's, it, it, was, it was a blast. I, I really enjoyed it. Right. I thought it was a lot of fun. I Now, whereas you, uh, I, I think you just enjoyed it for like enjoyment's sake, I see it. You know, if I was going to do like a post-apocalyptic campaign, this would be probably be my like world-building like session zero. Like if I this was going to do a, like, the Fallout game, yes, this is a legitimate like session zero, not a here's a checklist and some X cards. This is for real session zero because you're building lore for your world. Right. So if I was going to run like say the, I'm trying to think of some post-apocalyptic ones. The only one that comes to mind is the Fallout role-playing game. So if I'm going to run a game in the fallout universe then this post-apocalyptic area that we're building is probably going to wind up being our location and you've got some backstory like you know what happened over the last year in this area so it's a uh you know it's a great session zero for some post-apocalyptic role-playing game right the game can be as serious or as light-hearted as your table wants it to be and that can flip-flop between plays. Uh, we had some very serious overtones in a very sticky game. Right. And yes. it worked. It worked. Um, so your table is really the boss. And um, nothing but great things to say. Eight bucks well spent. So The Quiet Year. You can check it out. The link is in the show notes. Uh, pick it up on drive-thru for eight bucks. Use our link so that we can get like 35 cents or something out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we certainly appreciate that. So, so, so let's do it. Run down and review. We got to give it the rating. Own it, play it or head for the Hills, Bert. 
I'm going to say own it. It's it's a fun way to kill time with your group, and you can find other uses for it, too. Yep. I, I clearly am in the own it category. Um, we've all spent eight bucks on dice, right? We can spend right. eight bucks on this game. Uh, the Quiet Year, definitely a stupendous game that I was just tickled to find and even more excited when we got to play it. Uh, it was great. It was absolutely great. Ah, look at that. I'm, I'm all positive. So while I'm being positive, I want to remind you that we do indeed have ourselves a... Checkmark Hero. This month, our Checkmark Hero is Mike Jones. Say Doc Jones on Twitter. Give him a follow. It's at D-J-O-N-E-Z 73. Uh, great friend of the show. Uh, fan since the... I, I, I almost want to say the early days, uh, but he's the early Burt days. So, <laughs> um, and all around good guy. Uh, again, give him a follow. Doc Jones with a Z seventy three on Twitter. Uh, he was our checkmark hero because he gave us eight bucks and sponsored the checkmark for the month of May. You too can get in line. I think we're down to sip. September, October, I don't know, somewhere like that. Uh, if you want to be a hero. go to nerdcognito.com and right at the top of the page, we finally made it accessible. Uh, there is a link to the Checkmark Hero page. Uh, while you're following Doc Jones 73 on Twitter, uh, you should also drop a follow at nerdcognito. That way you can see the stuff that we're talking about as it happens in real time. You can also follow me at I Hate Ryan David. Uh, you can't follow Bert because Bert is sane and stays off of social media. <laughs> right. So I have to say thank, thank you, Doc Jones, and thank you, Ryan, for not doing your short round impression. <laughs> you know, he is the checkmark hero for the whole month, Bert. Oh, that's true. Thank you for the idea. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, if I'm really ambitious, I'll freaking clip it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other things that we really, really appreciate and need you to do is make sure that you spread the word about Nerd Cognito. A couple ways you do that, well, making sure you're subscribed by smashing the subscribe button on the podcast provider of your choice. And second, just retweet the show or tell your friends to tune in. We are available at all major podcast providers, so we're real easy to find, and the only way that we grow is with you. Well... That is about all I've got, Bert. Uh, it was a interesting week. Thank you very much, Wizards of the Coast. Um, but we got the quiet year in and loved it. I, I don't think there was a person that had a bad experience at the Nerd Cognito table this week. So, no, I think we all had fun. It was it was enjoyable, even though we're all like vastly different in our play styles. I think we all had a great time. I think so too, and I think that I could very realistically see us playing it again uh, right in regular rotation just for something different to break things up or if we need a one shot or if we you know have a city building cartography role playing itch that we need to scratch that's a very specific itch it is <laughs> well that's all we've got for you this week we thank you for tuning in 
really appreciate you telling your friends. And uh, I guess we're going to talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!